Chapter 3 At the time of Billy Budd's arbitrary enlistment into the Indomitable that ship was on her way to join the Mediterranean fleet. No long time elapsed before the junction was effected. As one of that fleet the 74 participated in its movements, though at times on account of her superior sailing qualities, in the absence of frigates, dispatched on separate duty as a scout and at times on less temporary service. But with all this the story has little concernment, restricted as it is to the inner life of one particular ship and the career of an individual sailor. It was the summer of 1797. In the April of that year had occurred the commotion at Spithead followed in May by a second and yet more serious outbreak in the fleet at the Nori. The latter is known, and without exaggeration in the epithet, as the Great Mutiny. It was indeed a demonstration more menacing to England than the contemporary manifestos and conquering and proselyting armies of the French Directory. To the British Empire the Nori mutiny was what a strike in the fire brigade would be to London threatened by General Arson. In a crisis when the kingdom might well have anticipated the famous signal that some years later published along the naval line of battle what it was that upon occasion England expected of Englishmen, that was the time when at the mastheads of the three-deckers and seventy-fours moored in her own roadstead a fleet, the right arm of a power then all but the sole free conservative one of the old world the blue jackets, to be numbered by thousands, ran up with huzzas the British colours with the Union and cross-wiped out, by that cancellation transmuting the flag of founded law and freedom defined, into the enemy's red meteor of unbridled and unbounded revolt. Reasonable discontent growing out of practical grievances in the fleet had been ignited into irrational combustion, as by live cinders blown across the channel from France in flames. The event converted into irony for a time those spirited strains of Dibdin as a songwriter no mean auxiliary to the English government at the European conjuncture strains celebrating, among other things, the patriotic devotion of the British tar, and as for my life, tis the king's. Such an episode in the island's grand naval story her naval historians naturally abridge, one of them, G.P.R. James, candidly acknowledging that fain would he pass it over did not impartiality forbid fastidiousness. And yet his mention is less a narration than a reference, having to do hardly at all with details. Nor are these readily to be found in the libraries. Like some other events in every age befalling states everywhere, including America, the Great Mutiny was of such character that national pride along with views of policy would fain shade it off into the historical background. Such events cannot be ignored, but there is a considerate way of historically treating them. If a well-constituted individual refrains from blazoning Artemis or Calamitous in his family, a nation in the like circumstance may without reproach be equally discreet. Though after parleyings between government and the ringleaders, and concessions by the former as to some glaring abuses, the first uprising that at Spithead with difficulty was put down, or matters for the time pacified, Yet at the Nori the unforeseen renewal of insurrection on a yet larger scale, and emphasized in the conferences that ensued by demands deemed by the authorities not only inadmissible but aggressively insolent, indicated if the red flag, did not sufficiently do so what was the spirit animating the men. Final suppression, however, there was, but only made possible perhaps by the unswerving loyalty of the Marine Corps and voluntary resumption of loyalty among influential sections of the crews. 
To some extent the Nori mutiny may be regarded as analogous to the distempering eruption of contagious fever in a frame constitutionally sound, and which anon throws it off. At all events, of these thousands of mutineers were some of the Tars who not so very long afterwards whether wholly prompted thereto by patriotism, or pugnacious instinct, or by both, helped to win a coronet for Nelson at the Nile, and the naval crown of crowns for him at Trafalgar. To the mutineers those battles, and especially Trafalgar, were a plenary absolution and a grand one, for all that goes to make up scenic naval display, heroic magnificence in arms, those battles, especially Trafalgar, stand unmatched in human annals.